Here is another powerful message from New Vision Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. To hear the rest of this series and others, join us at newvisionlife.com. We are in week three of our series, Living Life. And in this series, here's what we're really about. We're taking a look at seven choices that I believe God is calling us to make in our life. And the promise on the other side of this, this choice is that we can live with a level of freedom that we've really never had. You know, Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And he said to, to start that passage, come all to me who are weary and heavy laden. I, I, think we're, I think we're heavy laden. I think we have a lot of guilt. I think we have a lot of shame. I think we have a lot of anxiety and worry, doubt, all those things. And so we're going to see today how we can really live light. And, and we, we, we looked at uh, in week one that as we really choose purpose, living for God's purpose over popularity, there's a level of freedom that, that we have in our life. We saw last week that when, when we really choose purity over compromise, then we have a whole new level of freedom uh, in our life. You know, as we think about these seven choices, your life and my life are really a sum total of the choices uh, that, we, that we make in our life. You know, last week we talked about purity. It was pretty intense talk, right? So we had uh, a lot of emails, and they were, they were good. Mo- most of them were good. And, and last week I said something about uh, an alligator. I don't know if you guys remember at a fishing spot that I was at in South Carolina. Some of you were here last week, and, and, and I said sexual morality is kind of like an alligator, that you don't get as close to the alligator as, as you think you can. You get as far away from it as possible. Well, that triggered alligator stories from you guys all week that were coming in. And so here's one of my favorite pictures that came in. This was actually... Uh, from one of our folks playing golf at a golf course in uh, recently in South Carolina. I think it's the same alligator that was in my fishing spot, to be honest. And uh, do you see his golf ball there? That's classic, isn't it? Huh? Dakota, I don't know if you, you, you're not a big golfer either, are you? Are you? I'm not either. I don't know the ruling here. I don't know. Do you, you straddle the, go- the, the alligator and, you know, uh, hit a knockdown five iron? I don't know. Do you play that as it lies? I don't. I want to be honest with you. I'm going to drop a ball a long way away from that alligator. You know, I got an email this week uh, that was uh, amazing. It was uh, from a young lady, a young mom, who said, you know, she said, last week you were talking about dropping the hints of compromise. She said, several years ago, I would have laughed and dismissed you and sent you an email sort of attacking you about that message. She said, and then my li- this happened in my life. She said, I, you know, married a couple kids and just it wasn't really going the way that she wanted it to go. And so she said, I started to get dressed to go work out at the gym. Instead of waiting and getting dressed at the gym to work out, I just started to get dressed in the office and put the yoga pants on. And she said, I just, I just walked through the office. Really, she said it was, it was a small thing, but I, I knew what I was doing. I, I wanted someone to notice me. And she said, it wasn't very long before he did got super friendly. She said it was small, just we were just talking and laughing and finding our way to each other's desk throughout the day. And then she said it went from emotional to physical, full-blown affair. She said, I left my husband, he left his wife. So she said this hint of compromise, now two families destroyed. And she said, that's when I went to the Buchanan campus and we were going to get married, her and her new guy, and um, started meeting with Pastor Brad there, and he started doing the marriage counseling, and she said, in week one, he led me to faith in Christ. That was a good deal. She said, he gave us a book to read on marriage. She said, I began to read this book, 
And she said, through the principles in that book and the scripture that God was sharing with me, she said, I fell back in love with my first husband. I called the wedding off and I went back home. What a great story, isn't it? Yeah. But she said, here was the thing. She said, it was that hint of compromise. Just some yoga pants walking through the office on the way to the gym. And she said, just what we talked about and saw in Scripture last week, it, it happened. Today we're going to look at something a little bit different. If you have yoga pants on right now, you're like, bad day to wear yoga pants. <laughs> I didn't wear mine. I started to, and I, I, I changed. I knew, what I knew what I was going with. <laughs> um, today we're going to talk about the difference between surrender versus control. This is the third choice that I think we're going to see in Scripture that God's calling us to. God's calling us to surrender over control. Let me ask you a question. How many of you would say that there is at least one area in your life that you really love to be in control of? Any of you? Uh, me, for sure. Uh, just keep your hands up a little longer. Yeah. How many of you with your hands up are, are wanting to raise the hand of somebody beside you? Yeah, I see you now. Yeah. You're a control freak right? That's you. <laughs> so, so, so for me, like as it, it, it comes to c control, especially in my professional life, I have been prone to, to, to want to be in control. And really to be in control is, is really to try to direct the outcomes. That's what really control is. So I've, I've tried to do that. And I, I have at times sort of micromanaged and dr driven people crazy around me. For you, it's not so much your work, but it's your, it's your children. Y you want to be in control of their future. And, and you're not a helicopter parent. You're like a Black Hawk helicopter parent when it, when it comes to that. And I, I, I heard a, a, of an article this week of 8% of millennials take at least one of their parents on uh, their first job interview. And you might, we, we, we want to bash millennials. That's not the millennial, that's parents' problems, right? Like, sweetie, I'm going to go to the interview with you. Just a, just a little heads up here. If you interview at New Vision, don't bring your mom or your dad with you. It's <laughs> That's not a good. That's not a good thing. But see, we're in control. We're in control of try to be in control of our marriage, all kinds of areas. Now, here's the problem. It's kind of funny to think about this, but the problem with control is any area that you or I am in control over or think we are. It's an area that God's not. It's an area that we're trying to play God, and and we're living really lives of self sufficiency, or so we think, our life of self. Dependency, And this is a major core issue. If you study Scripture, this is really at the root of all sin, to not trust God and try to take over control of areas of, of our life. This is a major, major deal. But as we kind of build on control, here, here's one of the problems with control. Not only are you playing God, which is a big, big problem, but secondly, it puts us on this really crazy cycle because the more you try to control something, the more you fear that you're losing control, which leads you to try to control more. It's a massive, massive problem, and we can never live in freedom as long as we're controlling things in our life. Uh, we're going to play a video in just a second. Uh, I don't know if you're a NASCAR person. Maybe not everybody here is a NASCAR, but everybody here has heard of Jeff Gordon, right? Have you? Jeff Gordon, one of the greatest NASCAR drivers of all time. Somebody applaud and somebody booed. That's not really the point. It's not about NASCAR. But uh, can we just all agree that he's a pretty good driver out of an automobile? Can we find some common ground there? I would say so. So Pepsi did this commercial several years ago that is, I thought was just super funny. 
Um, and so Jeff Gordon uh, just goes to a car dealership, and he is uh, undercover, and he's got a, a beard on, and he uh, test drives a Camaro. And so there's some cameras that are put there in the car. So let's watch this uh, test drive, Jeff Gordon undercover test driving a Camaro. Let's take a look at it for a second. Hello. Hey, Mike. Steve, nice to meet you, Mike. I saw you sort of gravitated towards the Camaro. Are you thinking about getting one? Oh, no, no, no. This this way too much car for me. I'm Well, it's a lot of power, but they designed it to be very safe. I don't know if I can handle it. I, I've never driven anything like this before. Well, I, I tell you what, I think a way to really make you feel comfortable would be to put you behind the wheel. You're good. <laughs> what are you driving now? There are your keys, sir. Thank you, Steve. But you'll have to unlock it, Mike. Oh, yeah. Thank you. There we go. Oh, yeah. What a car. Mm-hmm. Well, we better buckle up. Yeah, good call. Power. Power door locks. Standard, of course. You are liable for any damages to the vehicle, so please stop the car and slow, or at least slow down. You can't go through that gate, Mike. Stop! 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 Watch it! Watch out! You're gonna wreck this car, and you're liable for it if you wreck it. It's pretty good, isn't it? First of all, I want to thank our AV people because they edited a lot uh, out of that video. Secondly, sometimes our lives feel like that, don't they? Here's the point. Today's message is not saying to you, hey, you need to, need to stop controlling things because that doesn't work. You see, how would this experience have been different for that car salesman if he knew who was driving the car? It would have been a whole lot different. If he knew, this is Jeff Gordon, this is one of the greatest drivers of automobiles of all time, it would been a little bit, little bit different if he knew who was driving the car. And so this is what happens to us about, about control until you understand a bit of the nature of our God, who he is and what he's capable of doing, we're always just going to be prone to control instead of surrender. So we're going to talk about that today. If you have your Bibles, let's look 
what I think would have to be in the top five of biblical passages that have been memorized, quoted, and, and used. Proverbs chapter three, uh, five, and six. We're gonna all, all we're gonna read all the way down through verse eight. But let me make an assignment to you. I don't want to load anybody up with any guilt. Some of you didn't grow up in church. I understand that. Some of you grew up in church and you still don't know this. I, I'm gonna challenge you. Mem- if you don't have Proverbs three, five, and six memorized, I would memorize it this week. Set yourself a goal. Put that in your phone and memorize it this week. I guarantee you. I guarantee you God will use it in your life to help you and encourage you in so many ways. Uh, Here's what the passage says. The the passage says, trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Now this word trust, it means surrender because that's what we're talking about today, to choose surrender over control. Trust the Lord with all your heart. To trust the Lord means to put all your chips on the table. It means to put all your eggs in the Jesus basket. It means to wave the white flag and to give up your rights. And Jesus, I surrender to you. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Now the problem with our hearts is our hearts tend to be compartmentalized. In a sense, we can trust the Lord with maybe some area of our life, but then we want to exhibit control in another area of our life. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Let's look at that again. Look at this phrase. Lean not on your own understanding. Most of us do this. Here's what I mean. Most of us are willing to trust God in an area that makes sense to us. In other words, we look at a passage, we hear a teaching from Scripture, and it makes sense. We could see how practically that could really have benefits in our life, and so we'll trust the, the Lord in that area. See, part of trusting God is obeying God. Does that make sense? But the the scripture says, trust the Lord with all your heart, lean not on, on your own understanding. Most of us lean on our own understanding. In other words, if something doesn't really make sense to me, I'm probably not going to obey. Last week, we were talking about choosing purity over compromise, and so many people with their sexual ethic, it just doesn't make sense to them. They want to do what they want to do when they want to do it. So because it doesn't make sense to them in the moment, they don't obey. But when we're talking about choosing surrender over control, it means trusting God even when we don't fully understand it. And then verse 6 says, in all your ways, I learned it this way, in all your ways acknowledge him or submit to him. That word that's translated acknowledge or submit is a powerful, powerful word in the Hebrew. It means, first of all, investigate. And that's what I would say if you're here today and not a follower of Christ, we are so, so glad you are here. All we want to try to do here at at New Vision is is just hold, hold up a clear picture of who Jesus Christ is. Because when people begin to see Christ for who he is, listen, the Lord does that work in their life. So when he says, in all your ways acknowledge him, it means investigate, see who he is. And then it carries with it this, this concept. As you investigate, you far, fall deeper in love with him. And you are trusting him, not out of obligation, but out of love for who he is and what he could do. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him. And then look at this great promise. And he will make your path straight. That phrase, make your path straight, it, 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 it's, a, it's a word picture of removing obstacles, like major boulders that are on the path, removing them. There's so many things in your life, you are stuck right now in an area of your life. You're not able to, to gain traction in your life, in your family's life, emotionally or whatever. And, and as a result of trusting, then you'll see as God begins to make your path straight. It also means to make your path straight. I love this. This is so, so powerful. It means will carry you to your desired destination. God's desired destination for you. Now, most of the time, we don't look at verse 7 and verse 8 when we study Proverbs 3, right? We look at verse 5 and 6. Look at verse 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes. I have done that so much. Have you? 
Like I've been wise. I thought I knew best in so many areas of my life. In fact, what does that mean? I have played God in my life so many times. And that's really at the heart of control. Control is me playing God in a certain area of my life. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. That word fear means be in awe. Respect his power and shun evil. Verse 8. Here's a great promise from verse 8, and it's why we're doing this series, because this is what the Bible teaches. As you surrender to these promises, as you choose what God is, is leading you to through his, his word, then you begin to experience freedom, and it's what I want for you. This will bring health. Look at verse 8. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. As I choose surrender over control, this is what happens. Now, Let's, let's think about a biblical example of control because all of us at some level struggle with control. It's just different things. You know, I, I think about, I think about this and, uh, you know, in, 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 in our house, when I, when I first got married, I, I thought the dishwasher was for washing dishes. My, my, my wife, I mean, she, and I do it now, she, she cleans our dishes so well, they don't really need the dishwasher. Any of you like that? Like, yeah. I mean, if somebody puts a dirty dish in the dishwasher, it's like, what are you doing? You know, so, I mean, she, she, she's, she's trained me. So we all have, we all have areas of, of control. You think about in the, in the Old Testament, the book of Genesis, the father of faith. Who was the father of faith in, in, in the Old Testament, the book of Genesis? Who was the father of faith? Abraham, right? Abraham and his wife, Sarah. God, God makes a great promise that from his line, even though they were barren and very advanced in, in, in years, that, that from them were going to come descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sands on the seashore. But Abraham and Sarah had serious control issues, right? And so in Genesis chapter 12, in Genesis chapter 12, Abraham and Sarah have to move down to Egypt because of famine. Here's what Abraham says as they move into Egypt. He says, hey, Sarah, because you're so beautiful, I know the leaders will see you and they will want you for their own wife. And then I don't know what will happen to me. So Abraham takes matters into his own hands and he says, don't tell them you are my wife. Tell them you are my Sister, what is that? Control. And it didn't just happen one time. It happens again in Genesis chapter 20. They move into another region known as Gerar, and he's afraid of King Abimelech. Try to say that one, right? Yeah, looking for a name for your next son. Abraham does the same thing. But Sarah has control issues as well. Let's look at Genesis chapter 16. I want to show you how central this is to really all of our lives, how it's a battle for all of us. In Genesis chapter 16, starting in verse 1, now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. This is what happens many times when life isn't going according to our script. We begin to blame God. We go through difficult things in our life. We, we start to blame God, and that's what Sarah's doing. She's barren, and she's blaming God. And so she says, I'll take matters into my own hands. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can. Look at the pronoun there. Perhaps who can? I can. What is she trying to do? She is trying to really determine the outcome. You see, that's control. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abraham agreed to what Sarah said. Whole other message, dumb, dumb, dumb on a hundred different levels. So Abraham had been living in Canaan 10 years. Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her, uh, to her husband to be his wife. Verse 4, he slept with Hagar and she conceived when she, meaning Hagar, 
knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Now, that word despise, it means really she began to taunt her mistress. Like she begins to show her belly and says, you see, I'm right with God. Look, look what God did. God did in my life what he wouldn't do in your life. And so it creates some animosity, obviously, between Hagar and Sarah. And you say, well, why are you bringing this out? Here's why I'm bringing this out. Every single time we choose control over surrender, chaos will reign. And it starts. Now, Verse 5, then Sarah said to Abram, you're responsible for the wrong I'm suffering. So now there is a problem between Sarah and Abraham in their relationship. I put my slave in your arms and now she knows she is pregnant. She despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Hagar and Sarah, Hagar and Sarah dysfunction. Abraham and Sarah dysfunction. Your slave is in your hands. Verse 6, here's Hagar. Your slave is in your hands. Abram said, do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarah mistreated Hagar and she fled from her. I don't, I don't know. I want to say this. I don't know if you agree or disagree. Here is my particular position on this. I think you can really trace all the problems that we have or most of the problems that we have in the Middle East all the way back to this control issue. This problem between not waiting for the promise of Isaac with Abraham and Sarah and Ishmael that comes out of Hagar and Abraham. You can disagree with me and that's okay. The point is it created great dysfunction. The other point is if Abraham and Sarah struggled with control, wouldn't it make sense that we would struggle with control in our life, right? All right. So when are we more prone to struggle with control issues? Let's move through this just, just rather quickly. When God's timing isn't consistent with our timing, then we're prone to try to take control of a situation. Isn't that what Sarah does? She's waiting. It's been about 10 years since God made the promise and God hadn't showed up. And, and, and so as a part of that, she takes matters into her own, own hands. That's what we do. Many times surrender takes some waiting. It takes some trust. And Sarah doesn't do that. When a command of God doesn't make sense to us, we've talked about that. When something doesn't make sense to us in scripture, wasn't this baptism, these two baptisms here, really cool? Great. I, I, and I, I was trying, I was supposed to baptize and I was late getting back from Explore. And Dakota did such a great job. That was so cool. But you know, you know what, what those two guys did? They were being obedient to what God called them to do to display their faith. And nobody ever understands the full ramifications of why God calls us to do that in baptisms, right? We understand some part of that, but at some point we just obey, right? And baptism is an example of that. But see, some of us are so in control, even in our faith, if that doesn't make sense, if we can't just kind of figure it all out, we, we just won't do it. Next, we're prone to control when we think we know what's best for our lives. Like, financially, you might say, well, I know what the Bible says about the first fruits or the first part of our income belongs to the Lord as an act of worship. But you know what? I think I know better how to handle my finances than that. That doesn't seem like a smart financial decision. You see, here's another. When things aren't going your way, we're prone to control. When we're going through a difficult stretch, we do what, what, what Sarah did. We think God is mad at us, and it's very easy. Here's the problem with blaming God. Watch this. This is so complicated. But many people in our culture today, we're, we're prone to blame God. And, and when, when we're, when we're in, a, in a series of time when we're blaming God, it's easier just for us to justify taking control of a situation, isn't it? Right? And that's what happens. So here's a question I'm going to ask you. What are the practical Hagars in your life right now? What are the things that you're trying to direct or control the outcomes of? I'm going to ask you, 
to write on your worship folder there, on your sermon notes, write a name of a person that you're trying to control, a thing or a circumstance that you are trying to control. Maybe it's your, maybe it's your, your children or your grandchildren, right? Maybe it's in your professional life, your finances. Maybe it's your health. Listen, you have eight memberships to different gyms around town. You have every juicer, smoothie machine that has ever come out. And it's not that you shouldn't uh, take care of your body, but you're just hyper, hyper controlling as it relates to, to your health. What is one thing? We just write that down. You're trying to control. I'm just doing a survey here. I see about 95% of you that didn't write anything down. You know why? You're in control. See that? Just did that for my my point. Here we go. I'm going to give you three questions for the next 10 minutes. Three questions that I think will help you with these areas in our life that we're prone to try to take control of, all right? These are super helpful for, for me. Here's the first question, control question. The first question is this, is it worth my concern? Is it worth my concern? Um, in other words, I'm getting really worked up. I'm very anxious. I'm angry. I'm frustrated about this issue. I'm prone to really take the will and take control here. Well, the first question you have to ask is, is, is this really worth my concern? I think about this as a dad. There's a lot of do-overs that I would love as a dad, as a husband in so many areas. I'm so thankful for the grace and mercy of God, aren't you? You know, one of the things early in, in parenting, I would come home, and my boys, when it was, was nice outside, they were outside, and, and you could very seldom ever could I pull my truck into the driveway when there wasn't a fort already there in the driveway, a bicycle, a skateboard, uh, eight baseballs, a couple basketballs. It looked like a yard sale in our front front yard. You know, and so I, I, I pull in at the end of the day, and you know I'm picking stuff up, and then go into Amy and say, you know, you know, we got to do something about these guys. I mean, it's a mess out there. What do you want me to do, Brady? You want us to get rid of them? Oh, would anybody take them? I don't know. I mean, you know what? I'll get done here in just a little bit and drive about seven minutes down Thompson Lane to my house. I'd kill to have a bicycle in the driveway that I had to move. I'd love for seven or eight waterlogged baseballs to be sitting out in the front yard that I'd pick up and say, hey, buddy, let's throw a little bit. What's the point? really wasn't worth my concern then, was it? I mean, some things that get us so torn up, they just aren't really worth our concern at the time. But we're exhibiting so much control over them. Hey, if you... If you own your own business, let, 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 me, let me give you a leadership principle I think is true. You may disagree with, but wrestle with it a little bit. If you want to grow a business, you can have control or you can have growth, but you can't have both. In your professional life, you want to grow your organization, you can have control. You can micromanage everyone. You can have control or you can have growth, but you, you can't have them both. In relationships, watch this, in relationships, in marriage, dating, with your children, with your grandchildren, in relationships, you can have control or you can have intimacy, but you can't have them both. You can't have them both. You see that? And so you can really see that, you know what, is this really worth my concern? And if not, let it fly. 
Let it go. You will be surprised how much freedom it will bring to you and to them. It will breathe life into your home, into your marriage, into your children. We have said this for years here at New Vision about, about parenting. Let me just remind you. We've said rules without relationship will always equal rebellion. And that's really true. You can have control or you can have intimacy, but you can't have them both. Now, here's the second question. If you're prone to really be upset about something, something's bothering you inside your marriage, with your kids, with your, with your, with your grandkids, with your business, with your money, with your health, all these things that we're prone to control over. Now, is it mine to manage or what part of this is mine to manage? Because the Bible uses, the Bible uses this word steward or stewardship, that there are certain things that God has called you through the power of his Holy Spirit, through the truth of his word that grants you direction to manage in your life for the glory of God. Now, is, is there something that God is leading me to do? Right, so, so, so here's, what I, here's, what I, here's what I mean by, by this. We had a group, a bunch of high school students that were here in the last service, a bunch of Riverdale students that were here. I was talking to them about this. You know, so many times as I've worked with students in the past, you, you hear young people say this, well, I just don't, ha- I just don't have any friends. Nobody likes me. There's so many cliques at school or at church or in the student ministry, and there's more cliques here, and there's just everywhere. Really, you know what I always say is, is I always say, what kind of friend are you? The Bible says that we are to show ourselves friendly, you know? That's your part to manage in this equation. Are you showing yourself friendly? I have a, I have a great friend who last year lost his wife very suddenly. You know, as we were talking, he said, you know, Funeral is packed, visitation packed. Week one, calls, meals, all kinds of stuff. Week two, nothing, hardly anything. And he said, I was just prone to to grow very bitter and angry, and it was frustrating to me. And then he said, it was so clear that God spoke to me and said, how have you been with people in that situation? And he said, I made a commitment right then that this was going to be, this was part of what God was going to do in my life. Every time in my church family, in my professional life, in my community, anytime I knew of somebody that lost a spouse, there was going to be a phone call. There was going to be a visit. There was going to be consistent prayer. I mean, he even, he did a spreadsheet to hold himself accountable to that, to continue to follow up and track people. He said, you know what? I, I really believe that's what God was calling me to do. That was really mine to manage in the midst of that. And in the midst of doing that, it didn't mean that the grief just totally went away, but God gave him some traction in an amazing way. I remember financially when Amy and I first got married, we were making just not much money at all. She married a real champion, I tell you. And I, I remember I was, I was working in a church and, and one of the guys that worked in our student ministry, he was talking to some other folks about how frustrated he was with his cleaning crew and what he paid them on Saturday morning to come in and clean. They weren't, he was going to fire them and, you know, and I, I'm just listening like, hmm. And that's kind of what God had been dealing with me. You know, you, you know I, I, I'm, I'm kind of struggling a little bit financially. Well, nothing wrong with working two jobs. So I just told him, I said, hey, you looking for a new cleaning crew? He said, yeah, you know any? Yeah. I got a two-man crew, really good. I can show you some pictures. I mean, see the carpet here? It looks like Fenway Park in our den. And so Amy and I just started cleaning this office on Saturdays. Money was good. But it was really cool. That, that was just, just an opportunity. You know, it was just, this is just mine to manage. I mean, just take a second job for a season. There's nothing, there's nothing. Sometimes that's what's going on in the midst of that. So what is mine to manage? You see, surrendering control, watch this. This is really what I'm trying to say. Surrendering control is not the same as relinquishing responsibilities. 
Look at James. James says this over and over again. Faith without works is, is dead. It's not that we are, it's not that we're saved by our works, but we're saved unto good works. There's part things that God gives us to manage. Let me give you this passage. This is really important. This is what we can do every single time. This is ours to manage. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, Paul writes, chained to a Roman guard. This is an amazing verse. He says, do not be anxious about anything. Well, how can I not be anxious about anything? He's going to tell you. But in every situation or in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, that means that's really praying and believing God. Present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. The thing that I hate hearing more than anything else in the church is this phrase, and I've said it, so I don't want to beat anybody else up, but here it is. Here's what I hate. Well, all we can do now is pray. Think about how that sounds. Well, all we're left with now is God. The creator of the universe who spoke everything into existence through the power of his word, that's all you're left with. You see how that sounds? You see, in whatever situation that we're in that's causing some anxiety, I guarantee you one thing you can do, you can consistently bring that request before the Lord, which is by far the best thing, because here's what I want to tell you about prayer. It's not a, re- it's not a, it's not a last resort. It's a first line of defense. That's what Paul is trying to say. And with our, with our children, listen, we can pray for them and we can disciple them. That's your responsibility. Hey, do this test. Do this test. Is this legalistic? Maybe. It won't do you any harm. With your kids, just ask them if they could quote Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6 when you get home. If you've got a kid who's fourth grade and up, ask them. Ask them. Get them started. Trust the Lord with. And if not, if not, got some work to do, right? Got some work to do. That's your responsibility. So is it worth my concern? What part of this is really mine to manage? And lastly, is this situation for God alone? It's big. It's big. Watch this. We're almost done. Hang in. Hang in. Because there's an area in your life. Listen to me. There's an area in your life. It's your marriage. It's your health. It's your kid's future. And it's for God alone. You don't believe me. Let me ask you a question. Can you change your spouse? Let me answer that for you. No. You can change behavior, maybe. Their behavior will change for a short period of time, but you can't change them. That's for God alone. So what do you do? Because you've been trying to control them for far too long. Trust God with them. God, they are yours. Number two, can you control your kid's future? I'm asking here. We're almost done. I'll go faster if you play along. Look, kids are crying because we're asking this question. (laughs) I'm at moms, dads, grandparents, look at me. Can you control their future? No. But there is a God who loves them more than you have a capacity to love them who can. Trust him. And many times, I believe this, folks disagree with me in a powerful way. Many times by trying to control their future. You're inserting yourself as God and and driving a wedge between you and them. And and you are sabotaging their future. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Can you really control your health? Oh, this will, I'll get the emails lit up. Should we take care of our bodies? Yes, yes, yes. We should steward our bodies well. But can you add another day to your life if God is sovereign for all things? No. Trust him with it. 
Because you're living in so much anxiety, trying to control it. You're living in so much anxiety. Hey, let me close. Watch me. Is it worth your concern? If the answer to that is no, let it fly. Let it go. Is it mine to manage? Do something about it. Our marriage is in a tight spot. Have you opened yourself up to biblical counseling? I feel like I'm, I'm stuck spiritually. Have you ever really connected to the, to the church and, and you, you've just been a spectator? Have you ever really joined in and become a participant in what God's doing? Lastly, is it for God alone? Choose surrender over control. What did you write a few moments ago, those who wrote something down? Would you choose surrender over control in that area? Watch what he will do. Watch what he will do. What does it mean? What does it mean to choose surrender? Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will direct your path. Would you give me 30 seconds to talk about something so, so super important that I see happen so much? I'm not talking about trying to control your spouse or trying to control your kids here. We've already talked about that. Trying to control your spouse, I'm not trying to talk about that. I'm going to talk about something bigger than that. I'm going to talk about something much bigger than that. So many people I have met through the years, especially in the South, do you know the biggest area of control in their life? Spiritual control. You're like, what are you talking about? I have met so many people who have, quote unquote, come to Jesus on their terms instead of coming to him on his terms. I think our churches are full of them. And the truth of the matter, if you stopped today and you had to say, you know what? What describes my relationship, even with Christ? Control or surrender. What does control look like? You've cut deals with Jesus. You threw some stick in the fire and said, yay God, and you have this intellectual belief. But you call the shots in your life. You always have. You've never waved the white flag. You've never come to him on his terms, which is surrender. That's why you've been on this cycle of anxiety and fear and frustration. I'm asking you today, would you choose surrender over control in the area where it matters the most? Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. You know that last phrase I love? And he will lead you home. Surrender's the only way home. It's the only way home. Would you bow with me all across this room? All across this room. Folks that are watching online this morning, in your den, in your kitchen, would you just bow for a moment? Can I talk just really quickly to believers? 
Is there an area that you've been trying to control, your spouse, your kid's future, your finances, your health? And would you just say to the Lord today right there, Jesus, I choose surrender over control in that area. I have played your role. And today, I trust you. I'm going to let you be you in this area of my life. For the rest of you around this room and watching online this morning, in the area that matters most spiritually, you have chosen control over surrender with Christ. I wonder how many of you here in this room have come to Jesus on your terms. You thought you could behave well enough perform enough things but you've never put all your chips on the table and today you choose surrender over control with heads bowed and eyes closed all over this room today I wonder if there's anybody here that would just slip up a hand today and say I choose surrender over control I see you Anybody else? Jesus, I choose surrender over control. Jesus, I'm not coming to you on my terms. I come to you on yours. Surrender, trusting you completely. Father, thank you. You can put your hands down. Father, thank you for what you've done here in this place. And Lord, now... As we begin to walk out what you started in all of our lives in different ways today, that we would trust you with all of our hearts and we would lead the desolate places of only trusting in our own understanding. We would acknowledge, Lord, you are good, you are faithful, you are powerful, and forgive me for playing you. Father, remove those obstacles in my life. Guide me to a place of freedom that I could never direct the outcomes to be in. Release me from this anxiety of, of my kids' future, of my financial future, of my physical future. Help me to trust you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we'd like to invite you to one of our Sunday morning services. We meet at 820, 940, and 11 a.m. If you would like more information or would like to watch or listen to more of our services, please visit us online at newvisionlive.com. This broadcast is brought to you by New Vision Baptist Church, where our mission is guiding people to lives of gospel transformation. Thank you.